episode 181. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. It has never been easier than now to surround yourself with incredible minds. It's as simple as picking up a book or listening to a book with Audible. Head to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable to get your free audiobook today. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Rudy Mick. How are you doing today, man? Eric, I am really well. Thank you. It's exciting <laughs> to be uh, on your show this morning. Awesome. Absolutely. Are you feeling unstoppable, I have to ask? I am always unstoppable. <laughs> yes. All right, let me give the folks... Unless, a- I'm, unless I'm not. Okay. <laughs> Let me give the folks at home a quick introduction and then we'll learn more about you. Rudy Mick began working in the restaurant industry at the age of 15, was a partner of a restaurant by the age of 24, and started his own consulting firm in 1978. Rudy's work has since focused on the successful startup, performance improvement, and growth of restaurants, resorts, and other food service operations. Rudy has served on the board and faculty of the UCLA Extension Hospitality Management Program, was a 20-year leader at the Food Service Consultant Society International, and was a member of the Institute of Management Consultants. Outside of his regular consulting work as founder of the Mick Institute, Rudy coaches others in business and life growth and is an award-winning author of The Leadership Cookbook, published by Foodable TV, and has authored hundreds of articles, and he has also co-authored four books and regularly speaks at food service industry conferences and events. Rudy, wow, man, this is a mouthful. You've accomplished so much in your career. It's really inspiring and just, man, great stuff. Uh, I can't wait to learn more about you. But before we do, I need you to get that inspirational, motivational ball rolling. And I feel like it has already picked up some momentum uh, with a success (laughs) quote or uh, mantra. What do you have for us today? For myself, I live with be present, be on purpose. Be present, be on purpose. Yep. Wow. Uh, it's worked pretty well. Break that down for me. I mean, what does that do for you? Like, how does that resonate with you? Well, for me, I uh, the concept of being present is certainly not a new concept. Uh, my practice in in the world of business uh, overlaps almost a hundred percent with my personal life, and I the process of being present allows me and allows the folks around me to not get hooked into drama, mm-hmm. to not get hooked up into made-up stories, rather to, not unlike we're doing right now, Eric, really listening, being attentive, and without baggage, uh, dealing with whatever is in front of us now. Um, and on purpose, the other section of that is is a, also a personal question as well as a work question. 
says, why am I here? It's a small little question. That was a joke. <laughs> to, to, well, to, come, to put those two pieces together allows me to be full of energy uh, and in service of. Instead of, right, as I listened to that introduction you just read, there's lots of stuff there. And the crazy part is it's all true. And simultaneously, who cares? <laughs> what, I'm, what I'm here to do is to be of support to you in this moment. So you, meaning any client I'm in front of, any person I'm in front of, what can I do to be in service, mm-hmm. in support? And those two, and then do it purposely. Do it. Do it on purpose. Be it on purpose. I love it, well, man. I, I'm all about it. And I, I love just the, the idea of purposely living intentionally, doing everything everything that you're about, every action you take has a purpose towards your, your, your goals. And, I mean, another thing that really stood out to me is just being present um, in the moment. In the hospitality industry, it's all about being in those moments, taking care of the people right in front of you in that time, in that moment, because it's about their experiences. And I think that's just really well, powerful, I- too. Absolutely, and one of the things that I love about your show and everything that you're doing is the purpose. I learned about purposefulness actually from our industry, from the food service business, from the restaurants. And about, I don't know, 25 years ago, was reading a dictionary and looked up the word restaurant and the definition, the root definition, for your audience members that have heard me speak before, you will have heard this, Previously, but in any conversation, I try and share this, do my best to share it. The definition of of the word restaurant is not a place I go to eat or a place I go to be fed. The definition root is actually a place one goes to be restored. Mm -hmm. And restaurateur restaurateur literally translates to restore of soul. So my question now, whether I'm selling a taco, a brat, or fine dining whole cuisine, is how am I supporting you, how am I supporting my team to be different when they leave than how they were feeling or being when they arrived? Mm-hmm. How do I restore you? And that is purpose. Wow, awesome. And I love this quote that you're sharing with us today or this mantra that you're sharing with us today because the next question I have for you, Rudy, is what is your why? What is your purpose? Why do you do what you do? I mean, what drives you? So on a personal level, our, our company purpose and my personal purpose overlap greatly. My personal purpose is to guide and to teach, to awaken people's passion and happiness, thereby creating opportunities. Wow. So that's it. It's it. So if we're present, if we're on purpose, I watch so many people walking around frustrated or unhappy or working in a job they're not passionate about. And it just hits me that the industry for you may not be the restaurant business or the food service industry, but if it isn't, go find what gives you juice. Mm-hmm. And once we help owners and leaders and managers and team members, find passion and happiness, doors fly open. Absolutely. And opportunities are, yeah. And it just, this is why after 36 years of consulting and helping startups and growth, we've never 
not been successful because of that door opening with passion. Yeah, I love it. And I mean, I just have to like really put focus on, you know, what you said about just being a guide and to teach people. Uh, that is such a huge part of this industry is just in teaching the people who work for you and helping people develop as individuals. You have to go more than and beyond just giving people a paycheck. You really have to be a mentor, teach and grow individuals and then awakening happiness. I mean, isn't that what it's all about? It's just uh, enjoying what you do every day. Isn't that what we all strive for? So I love what you're giving us early on in this interview. Really, Rudy, it's awesome. Uh, and I think we're kind of segueing greatly into the next question which is about your if factors. I mean, what are your strengths as an individual? What makes you so successful if you could just narrow it down to a few habits or characteristics? Well, I would say that the question you just asked, what are the habits, uh, tie directly to the purpose. Mm -hmm. And I, I dare I suggest that some of your listeners may think uh, maybe thinking, wow, passion and happiness, opportunities, what's that got to do with making money, you know? What uh, passion and happiness is awfully soft. And, and so the four or five things, you actually take six steps that have been our roadmap. Um, from that place of purpose, does... Do we know who we are? Do we know our purpose for being business beyond making money? Do we know what excellence is? So a real key indicator is if I hear words like professional, good, phrases like hard worker, great attitude, we stop everything and say, excuse me, what's professional? Mm. What is good attitude? Because the compliment of being a good worker, it's lovely to have here and lovely to receive, but I can't train anybody with that. Mm -hmm. So if being a good worker is coming up and saying, uh, hey, I've done these three things on my list and I'm about to start this one. Is there anything else you'd like me to do? Right? I make direct eye contact. I have a smile on my face. Mm -hmm. I'm right. Those kinds of things I can teach. Yeah. So, okay. The second piece is fiscal systems so that are anticipatory, looking forward. So at the same time we're talking about passion and purpose and happiness, I'm really happy when my numbers balance, when my food cost comes in on target. And so we set up fiscal systems that anticipate where our food cost is going to be. We don't react after the fact, waiting for a financial statement or doing an inventory and being shocked that food cost is off or something. Mm -hmm. So those are those are two examples um, that blend on purpose. And then we we pay a lot of attention to how we communicate, making I statements using data instead of loose language, compliments, criticism, will actually provide feedback. Those three things, knowing who we are, our fiscal management, and our communication, ties into how we hire, how we train, and a commitment to ongoing growth. Wow. That's our roadmap. Man, 
a lot of stuff there, and uh, it, it sounds like you just put a lot of thought into identifying who you are. And I think that's one thing that a lot of us, uh, you know, usually what we do is we talk about the effectors, the characteristics, but I really want to just focus in on how important it is to really identify who you are, which is something I don't think nearly enough people do is taking the time to really look at who I am and what makes me successful and what, you know, what are my strengths. And you just are so clear. There's so much clarity there. How important is that? Well, I think it's, as a leader, it's really important to be as clear as possible. And if I'm, at the same time, if I'm struggling for clarity, to own that. Mm-hmm. And so many owners, so many owners and managers, people in general, that I find are exploring or taking a risk and then trying to cover up their fear or cover up their concern of being found out that they don't know. Mm -hmm. And it's such a powerful place to be able to say, gosh, you guys, I'm not 100% clear here. However, this is what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm I'm feeling. And to actually have the courage to share that Mm -hmm. and to get collective ideas to ultimately make a choice that only I can make. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Great stuff, Rudy. So if you could take one of these if factors, uh, one of these habits you have or characteristics and apply them to a story where, like, really just shine through, what would it be? Can you take us through that, that story, that journey? I, I love that you keep coming back to the habit thing. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, so I'm going to back up just for a second. Those six steps from knowing who we are to never settling, keep evolving, are a system, it's really a system that came out of habits. Now it is an, it, it is a ritual rather than a habit to ask the questions that I was talking about earlier. Coming back to a personal level, I would say that for me now, my habits are, I'd like to think, more ritual mm-hmm. than habitual. Okay. The, the sense of the sense of habit may have me go unconscious. I don't even think about what I'm doing, and sometimes in mastery that happens. It's uh, authors call it flow, right? Yeah. But there is this process, I think, of a habit of again, how if I'm not present, if I'm stuck in the past, how do I get back present? So part of that is staying awake, staying Mm -hmm. conscious. Another habit, and we actually have this as one of our company values, is we are physically fit. Mm -hmm. I am physically fit. So I work hard to keep my body as strong as I can and and flexible as I can so that I can be a support not only intellectually and emotionally with my clients but physically. Mm-hmm. So that fitness allows me to not settle. Exercise, which so many people in our industry forget to do or, oh, I'm too busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I think a habit that we have, that I have, my team uses a lot, is if you and I have the opportunity to sit in, a, in the dining room at a table to talk or a boardroom on a chain, sit in a boardroom and talk, why don't we instead go for a walk? Mm -hmm. Or let's go 
for a bike ride or in the Colorado mountains, let's go for a hike, let's go skiing, let's do something that actualizes our bodies as well as our brains. Mm-hmm. And uh, we can get as much conversation and better thinking by actually getting out outdoors or in some sort of physical activity. So oh, yeah. we, we work hard to do that with our clients. Awesome. I mean, can you tell us? And, and ourselves. Can you give us a specific example of where uh, this came through, like how it had a huge impact on what you do? Well, an example of that, 20 years ago, I was, I mean, literally 20. Uh, I was just talking to the CIO, Chief Technology Officer, Information Officer, of a major public company. Mm-hmm. And um, we were skiing. The guy was quite athletic, strong, and the snow was rock hard. The sky was flying all over the place, out of control, really having trouble holding an edge, as you might expect, skiing on ice. Yeah. And um, we got to the, he got down to the bottom of this one run, and he's swinging his poles and swearing like a sailor and <laughs> uh, just really, really uh, upset with himself. And so we jump on the chairlift, and I noticed his behavior, jump on the chairlift and started talking to him about what he's going through in the act of change in his company. How is he tending to lead his team? He said, well, I'm pretty frustrated. I get really aggressive. I just listened. And we got to the top of the chairlift, got off. We're going to ski off to a different run. Said, hey, wait, just a second. Come on back. Let's ski that same run one more time. Only this time, I want you to lighten up. Be really light. Counterintuitive. He did that, gets to the bottom, and ironically, his skis kept an edge. Mm-hmm. He was able to turn, be in control by being light. Mm-hmm. And this time, I looked down at the bottom, his arms are waving around. Only this time he's not swearing. This time he's giggling and laughing. <laughs> he says, oh, my God, Rudy, I get it. I need to stop being a blank jerk and start lightening up and guiding my team instead of commanding them. Right? Wow. So long story short, how what's the, what's the impact? Thanks for putting up with the backstory. 20 years later, last, last year, I talk, was talking to him on the phone. I haven't seen him for about three years. The first thing out of his mouth is, hey, Rudy, I'm staying light. I'm still staying light. 20 years wow, later. That's amazing. I mean, there's just so much to be taken from this industry. Like if you, like you said, a blink a, or a blanking jerk, if you're such a jerk to your people, things aren't going to go well. Things, I mean, you're constantly going to be fighting each other. But if you just lighten up and you uh, just, I guess, appreciate the moment going down the hill or running the restaurant and just relax, so many things can change yeah. from that. Um, that was a great example, a great story of how this, uh, this if factor you had really just shine through. But can I have you share with us now a failure? Maybe it was a time, a failure one of your clients was experiencing and how you helped them get through that failure with your advice. Well, what I see most often, there's, there's actually two things I, I, I want to say, because you brought, you brought up the subject of training and, and working with teams a few times in our talk, and I appreciate mm-hmm. it a lot. One big myth 
in the business for the most part, I think. And and clearly the way we've course corrected mistakes. Most operators, especially independent operators with one restaurant, maybe two, two or three, rarely train. There's no budget for training. Mm-hmm. And I and there's no trainers or, or at best it's follow you, follow me. And uh, I'm supposed to read your body language or listen and learn through osmosis and some sort of magic process. And what we see is that operators then end up budgeting for turnover instead of investing Mm. in retention. Mm -hmm. If your readers take or your listeners take anything away from this interview, I would say to figure out a way to do experiential training in your in your companies and define excellence. What is excellence on the first approach to the table as, as a cashier uh, in fast casual, whatever it might be. So that's first and foremost. Then, then, and, and it's way high on the list of mistakes because mm-hmm. we get inconsist- inconsistent service. So you're saying the first thing to do yeah. is to paint the picture of what excellence is? Yeah. Absolutely. So, because I mean, think about think about this. So, I have my restaurant, and what I'm going to do, I'm going to be really smart, quote quote unquote, and I'm going to hire people with experience. So, I hire somebody from Chili's, and I hire somebody from Friday's, mm-hmm. and I hire somebody from Hulans, and I hire somebody from Payway, and all of a sudden, and, and I tell them, go to work. Here, you've got experience. It's great. But what I end up with with that is a hodgepodge of a service experience. Mm. And my guests don't don't get consistency. Rather, they get inconsistency. Mm-hmm. So the magic question is, how do we create consistency and not robots? Are you going to give so us the magic a, answer? That's a whole... <laughs> <laughs> It's called teach the art and the science. Yeah. Science is the mechanics. The art is how does Eric get to be Eric with his tone of voice and his body language? How does Rudy get to be Rudy? However, our knowledge of the food on the menu or on the beverage menu is excellent. And mm-hmm. we can both quote any ingredients or whatever it might be, right? Yeah. Uh, if I may, the other example I wanted to give you really is a, a, a even more direct fiscal issue. Training certainly is a fiscal issue. But the other kind of common, most common mistake, and where we'll typically pay for ourselves in the first quarter of a project, is people have inventory sitting on the shelves, so their money, their money is on the shelf instead of the bank. Mm. So my headline there is buy only what you need and roll your inventory one and a half to two times a week. And um, lots of good things will happen from that. Smart. Yeah, it's great advice. I mean, 
So many great things to point out here. I love how you talked about you know painting the picture of what excellence is, and I couldn't help but think about uh, the one minute manager when he talks about bowling, and you know you know you're trying to knock down the pins, but what if you couldn't see the pins and you're just chucking this bowling ball down a lane, but there was a wall on the way and you didn't see where the ball was going? I mean, you can't expect excellence if people don't know what the clear picture of excellence is. And I love that you point that out. Well, I just I love your analogy, and Blanchard was so incredible with that book, that little tiny book that is still million seller. Yeah. And uh, to your point, I, I love the analogy that you just did. I see so many operators of both large as well as small companies that get so frustrated and, and like there are going to be roadblocks. There are going to be walls that show up. And we are going to make mistakes. I've made plenty of them. Mm-hmm. The issue, the issue is, the goal is to get around or under or through or over the roadblock. And every one of those roadblocks, sometimes operators will call them fires. I'm a firefighter. Keep putting out the fires. Put out the fire once, not every day. Absolutely. Yeah. Put it, put it out once and create a system that gets away from that issue. So here's a roadblock. How do we get really effective at getting around it or through it or over it so we don't hit that roadblock again? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're giving us great advice, Rudy, and I I just really want to get an example of a time where uh, one of these failures where, uh, you know, uh, a play-by-play, I want to be standing next to you as one of these failures rolls out and how what you learn from a failure can you think of i mean you're giving us great examples of what it takes to be successful and we're learning a lot from this interview but i really just want to get caught up in a story with you can you think of a story where a failure came out and you just overcame that failure and what and like took something away from that failure again uh, the mistakes the, the what you're calling a failure i just think are unconscious habits mm-hmm. and so step one is wake up and and watch yourself be frustrated and say, what am I going to do about it, and change it. So that's first. So a classic example, even with restaurants that are performing pretty darn well, is in the industry the average turnover rate is well over over 180%, in some places over 200% on a median average. So, and, and that becomes common. That's just acceptable, yeah. right? Well, so an example, think of, think of the cost of sales. Think of the cost of dissatisfied guests coming in, looking for Sally, their favorite server, or Jeff, or Jenny, and they're not there anymore, right? Oh, they left. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, instead, by integrating purpose, by turning interviews into experiences. So, for instance, if we've defined excellence on a greeting in a fast casual restaurant or greeting in the first approach to a table, I want to make direct eye contact. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say four things, Uh, uh, a greeting, a day part. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm going to make direct eye contact. I'm going to have an authentic smile. I'm going to name the restaurant. 
and I may or may not want to name myself. Right? Okay. So if I do those if I do those four things, that's excellence. Okay. So here's what so here's the action that turns failure into excellence is most operators run around going, Oh, don't. Oh, don't mm-hmm. stop. That's bad. Instead of coaching what's working mm. and coaching what's positive. So an example of this is by changing the hiring system from, oh, have you worked in the restaurant business before? Uh, how have you, do you know how to carry plates? I'm going to ask the question, have you ever carried plates? How many can you carry? Mm-hmm. It's because if you ask me, can you carry plates? What's the answer I'm going to give you? Yes. But my but definition might be different yeah. from your definition. I understand. Bingo. Yeah. So instead, so instead, here's something that turns failure into success. So when you carry plates, do you hand carry them? Do you use a tray? Oh, I hand carry them. Or I use a tray. Great. How many can you carry? Four. Terrific. Mm-hmm. Sally, I want you to notice right over here on your right are four plates. Please pick them up and show me how you would carry them to the table over there. Got it. Awesome and, stuff. Okay. And that turns wondering or fantasy or BS, if there are these cigarettes, <laughs> into actual experience. I got it. Right? And we could do that with literally every job in the restaurant. We'll figure out some experiential way to test an applicant before we get them on board, that changes the mistake of a hire into the success of a hire. And by coaching to the positive instead of the negative, we end up with uh, and working on purpose, by the way, we end up with turnover that's on average about 20% to 25% per year instead of 185 to 200%. That goes right to the bottom line in thousands of dollars, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. Wow. That's one example, and I could go on with a myriad. Well, but that's one. <laughs> I'm sure you could, and uh, we're learning so much, and you have such a great way of just speaking intentionally and knowing the exact purpose of the words you're going to use, and uh, you're great at explaining these things, so thank you with that. Uh, we have to move on to the Knowledge Bombs Rudy, where you're just going to blow us away with restaurant bombs and knowledge like you already have been. But before you drop those bombs on us, we need to take a moment to thank our sponsors. And today's sponsor is Audible. Audible is the easiest way to absorb some of the best books that have ever been written. And there's a handful of restaurant books out there that you are missing out on, like Setting the Table by Danny Meyer or Front of the House by Jeff Benjamin, or Joe Bastianich's The Restaurant Man. I mean, the list goes on and on, and you have the opportunity to surround yourself with these incredible minds simply by reading their books. Head over to audibletrial.com for your free book today. What are you waiting for? Get on it. Back to the interview. And the first question I have for you in this speed round is what advice do you have for getting that initial capital to get started in a restaurant? Uh, don't lie about your numbers. Most people think, and I'm, I'm guilty of this at my own restaurants over the years, I run the numbers 
that are industry norms. So the National Restaurant Association has really good reports on median averages in our industry. You can follow those numbers, and they're pretty darn close. If you don't believe them, watch out. Oh, so an example would be if I have 20 seats, uh, let's call it 50 seats, and I turn the restaurant three times, I will have done 150 meals. Okay. And you go, wow, 150 meals, that doesn't work with this rent. I better, uh, I'm sure I'll be busier than that. So we fudge the numbers and say, oh, well, I'll, I'll do four. I'll do four turns. But the reality is you're lucky if you do four. You better try and see if you can make things work on two. Mm-hmm. And if you can't, you better think twice. Mm-hmm. So you want to use realistic numbers because you don't want to get yourself into trouble with fake numbers because you, you're projecting with those numbers. Is that why it's so important? It, exactly. That's exactly right. Okay. And awesome. e- and even even worse than that is most people don't even do the numbers. They go look for a piece of uh, real estate first without doing their number runs. And the worst, saddest case I ever see and it happens four or five times a year. Somebody calls me and says, we're going to do a restaurant. We'd like you to work with us. Um, we've already signed the lease. And they're out of business before, because they've signed a bad deal <laughs> before they ever, I mean, there's no way they'll ever be successful. Awesome. And it's just sad. Yeah, you're not doing yourself any favors if uh, you're you're fudging the numbers to make it look nice on paper. You want it to be as accurate as possible because that's you know what you're working with. That's what you're projecting with. Great advice. So the next question I have for you, Rudy, is what is your advice for hiring good people? What questions are you asking? Where are you looking? And I know you're going to have some great advice here on this topic. So we have we have a system, a hiring system that is based on what we call five core truths of hiring. The first is, and this is, a, this is huge, the first one is a maybe is a no. Anybody that's listening that owns a restaurant, you know what I'm talking about. Well, she's really, she's got a nice smile, and she has worked in another restaurant. There's something, I don't know, it's not quite right, but, but she's got some experience. I think it'll be okay. Six months later, you'll be letting that person go. So first is a maybe is a no. Second is only hire A+. plus. The trick there is I need to know what A plus is, so we have to define excellence. The third is trust my tuning fork or trust the balance beam. If I fall in love with this applicant and think, wow, this is the best thing, best employee I've ever seen, go back to neutral and ask why. What's the data? If I don't like them, do the same thing. What is irritating me about this person? And do that at least a couple times. And if I keep going to yes, then likely it's a good hire. And if I keep going to no, do not go there. Mm. Fourth, fourth is don't answer any questions until all my questions are answered. Most operators give away all of the answers they want to hear because an applicant, a good applicant, is really smooth at getting all the answers from you. Wow, how long have you been open? Seven years. Wow, it looks like you've got a great team. Yeah, we love teamwork. 
right? So the second I asked, so John, how are you uh, in working with a team? I love teams. Well, yeah, right? smart. So, so yeah, so don't answer any questions until all my questions are answered. The flip of that is when I'm uh, interviewing um, a vice president or higher. There, there, I want all. I want to hear your questions, but before. Uh, I give you any answer, anything at all. I want so at a vice president level, I would flip that model. But with line level team members, never answer a question until all my questions are answered. And the fifth core truth is ask the real question. I get so caught up in managers. See, so manager, so many managers go right through their checklist, asking the questions they're supposed to answer uh, or ask. And they're not even really listening to the answers. So the classic is, where do you see yourself in the next five years? And the real question is, why that? Mm-hmm. Awesome. So let's go through the, the five again from the top, just to make sure I got them right yeah, down right. Um, okay. A maybe is a no. Hire only A+. plus. Trust the tuning fork or trust the balance beam. Answer questions only after... All my questions are answered. Ask the real question. Wow. All great stuff. Uh, this is turning out to be an awesome interview. Uh, all right. And I'll have those all in the show notes, guys. If you want to check it out, just go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash Rudy Mick, and you'll find everything right there so if you're scrambling to get a pen. Sweet. All right. So the next question I have for you is when you find these people that pass your test, that you go through the five uh, the five steps we just went through, how do you keep them on your team? Like, How do you retain these people? We keep doing what we said we'd do. So my my goal with all of our work, and you, uh, my goal with all of our work is that we have people join us by choice, not chance. That we run our business on purpose. That we do what we say we'll do. We another thing that we do in our hiring system is that we'll put a cover page on our application or a cover page on our website before you can click through to get an application. And it basically is an overview of the company that says, look, here's how we treat each other. This is what we do in terms of excellence. We Here's our purpose. These are our values. And literally, we'll then say, look, if this sounds like the place for you, click through, fill out the app, or in person, um, Great. Uh, what's your experience of this? Uh, uh, read it. Take it seriously. And if it sounds like the place for you, fill out the app. Yeah. About 10% to 12% of our applicants don't even fill out the app. They just walk away and go, God, these guys are serious. Yeah, and that's such right? a way to save yourself a headache and just weed through those people that are going to waste your time. It's brilliant. Absolutely. No, absolutely. So that's one example. All right, so the next question I have for you, Rudy, is on books. Um, I actually discovered you through a book, uh, Nick Cirillo's book, A Slice of the Pie, an awesome <laughs> book. Um, and I, I need to know, what books would you recommend, Rudy? If you could just give us a couple books. Um, I've seen you before on Foodable TV. That's another resource you can talk about if you'd like. Let us have it. 
Great. Well, thank you. Uh, I've got to say that uh, the book you've already mentioned, Nick Cirillo's Slice of the Pie, is a great hands-on independent operator or chain operator book. It's tangible and really specific to the restaurant industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two other books that come to mind to me are Paul Barron's book, The Chipotle Effect, where he's talking about a restaurant all of us know, Chipotle, uh, but more so what made them great and uh, standalone. And it's another pragmatic book that focuses on leadership as much as management. So I think that's great. Another great book that's an easy read that will help operators listening to your show to really step into leadership as well as management. Uh, There's a great book called The Resident Leader or Resident Leadership um, by uh, Paul Boyastis. And it's just a incredible book. Don't worry about the author. Just look up Resonant Leadership. Mm -hmm. Great book, really easy to read. And uh, dare I be so self-serving, we just released the Leadership Cookbook on Google uh, and through Foodable TV, and that is written by me. It's an easy read, about nine chapters. Awesome. I'll have the links to all those books in the show notes. Again, just head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash Rudy Mick, Mick with two eyes. Uh, all right. The next question I have for you, Rudy, is on the topic of marketing. And I feel like that's such an intimidating topic just because there's so much you can talk about. So if you could just drop one knowledge bomb on us in regards to marketing, what would it be? What is really fun to me in this age of social media is what has always been true, especially in the independent segment. And that is the best marketing we can do is inside our four walls Mm -hmm. rather than paid for advertising, in my opinion. So what's really sweet about social media is to let stories out, tell stories about your team, tell stories about what you're doing in your community, Tell stories about what you're doing as a leader in your company. Um, Offer ideas, offer action as opposed to selling. Uh, The proverbial in social media, pull instead of push. Um, Facebook, Instagram for sure. Uh, Twitter is just mind-blowingly fun and easy. Uh, to for independent operators to utilize on a daily basis. So the other thing, the other thing, uh, the last piece with that that I would say to you, Eric, an awful lot of operators are scared to death about some sort of social media policy. My take on that is 98% of your staff is going to tell are going to tell great stories. Let them. Yeah, I think that's one thing. Um, that people are afraid to hand the reins over to the staff to let them capture those moments, and they're so afraid about that image, that brand. But I think you kind of alluded to it earlier. If you're really selective with your hiring, and they are aligned with your culture, and you are super strict about who you let represent you face to face in inside the, those four walls, you shouldn't really run into that issue very often. Um, Absolutely. And you, Absolutely. You know, you also mentioned pull instead of, or yeah, it's pull instead of push. Yep. Can you elaborate on that real quick? Well, so again, 
how do I reach out and tell a story about a great, great service experience? Or here is a, um, a social media piece about a party that's just been held or some celebration of one of your team members. Mm-hmm. Um, a story about putting together the next menu that's coming out mm-hmm. so that it's information that's going out to the public without a direct sell, mm. right? It's I'm telling a story that compels, or if I put this in a better context, if you're telling a story that intrigues me as the customer, I'm going to be drawn into the restaurant. So maybe I'll add a two-for-one. Maybe I'll add an appetizer special. Maybe I'll share some story about a, a concert we're sponsoring or something like that, but more so the stories that are really true about what's going on inside my four walls that direct you to come to me or you sending out stories that come to me and bring me in your doors just because of interest and excitement. Yeah, that I, would be that would be pull instead of push. I love it. Awesome advice. Uh, great approaches there. So the next question I have for you is on the topic of technology, and you know, technology is advancing and changing faster than ever. And there's so many different things yep. we can implement inside our restaurants, whether front of house or back of house, to be more efficient, more productive, uh, more profitable. I mean, is there anything that you've noticed? Uh, you know, that could really just help us in our restaurants that we should be paying attention to that you'd like to recommend? I think uh, we've already alluded to one or two things. Certainly using social media to Mm -hmm. reach out into a community, and I would delegate that out to team members uh, as opposed to necessarily some paid-for marketing person. Uh, Let the community know about what's going on. Use those social media uh, realms. Instagram is kicking. Twitter is just an amazing tool. Facebook, obviously. So that that social media technology is incredible. The other piece is to really utilize YouTube and shoot videos and, and share things that you're doing with training. Those kinds of technologies not only work really, really well as training mechanisms in-house, but also as marketing tools out to the public. The other piece that's really, I think, uh, advancing a lot is user-friendly POS. The systems are getting simpler and simpler, and um, the ability to use uh, iPads or simple technology as opposed to super complex, super expensive POS machines. So keep looking for that. I do think that there are a handful also of uh, human resource tools and software companies that are out there. I think not many of them have hit the absolute bullseye, but uh, a number of those companies are getting closer and closer to uh, online hiring and application processing that can really help uh, especially independent operators manage and monitor their HR. Uh, Are there any specific uh, resources that come to mind. I really try to, you know, make it simple for the listeners so they can, uh, like, if there's anything that you've heard of, any brand that you know uh, people are saying good things about to help, you know, narrow down the search. 
you're going to put me in a quarter on this one. I'm an independent consultant and uh, don't really rep anybody's particular line. So I'm going to say go out and do the research there are and talk to your buddies and find out the stuff that works for you particular. Well, I will just I'll say that. some of the ones that have been mentioned on the show, so as far as simple POSs, have been Breadcrumb and Toast POS. I believe one's for iOS, one's for the Android. So that's two different platforms right there that you can look into that I mentioned. Yeah, to people. absolutely. And I, I think those are two good uh, opportunities for simple processing. So no, I I'll, could I could join you there. Yeah, How great. That? And those aren't those aren't my recommendations. Those are the recommendations of past. Yes, just so we get Yeah, involved. that's great. <laughs> All right, and then one thing I want to dig a little bit deeper on because this is something I've thought of and I really want to know more. You had mentioned training in YouTube and um, multi-purposing that content for both training and for marketing. Can you give us an example of how you've seen that done? There is an amazing fast casual concept in, based in Arizona called Wildflower Bread Company. And if you go onto YouTube and check out Wildflower Bread, we, uh, we had the opportunity to help them create their purpose and their values for their company. And an amazing uh, occurrence happened. Three of the team members, in the matter of about a week, wrote a song in support of the purpose and the values of the company. Oh, they, cool. produced, they produced it produced a vid, got it up on YouTube, and presented it to 450 team members of Wildflower Bread Company. And to this day, not only is it a celebration of purpose and values, but it's a really fun uh, play on bread and needing support and uh, playing together. Uh, it's a great example of a useful tool that ends up being a marketing statement as well. Really, really fun. That would be one specific example. Another would be anything from Nick Cirillo at Nick's Pizza and Pub in Chicago. He's got 10 or 12 videos out that we use all the time in training and simultaneously actually support and share with the public how they run their company. So awesome stuff. One last quick question on sure. hosting. So uh, would you suggest hosting these training videos right on YouTube or maybe on like Google Drive for accessing the team to access those things 24-7? Absolutely. So uh, shared platforms, I think that technology more and more is working uh, for teams, and I think the, the future in training is going to be short videos that are on things like Google Drive or Dropbox or whatever other technologies out there mm -hmm. where I can be anywhere in the world and access a trading vid or read a document or see a new menu, that kind of shared platform technology. There's a, another great use of technology as long as you brought that up earlier. And uh, by shared platform, I'm assuming you're, you're referring to like Google Drive, Dropbox, Box.com, like all those different resources? Absolutely. Okay, cool. Yeah, so that my whole team or a management team or a leadership team or a board can access documents in one location. Uh, one person or a team of people can update those documents, and it's a living, breathing file cabinet as opposed to a staid hard copy print of something, right? It's a, mm -hmm. it's a 
it's a really, really fun use of technology, as long as we were talking about that earlier. Got it. All awesome advice. Thank you for sharing everything. So if you could go back in time, Rudy, I mean, you have so much incredible experience. You've learned so much over the years. And if you could give your past self, when you're just getting into the hospitality industry, one piece of business advice, what would it be? Share or go in and define what excellence means in every role. Mm. Instead of taking for granted that people are going to know what excellence is, that we actually, no matter what our concept is, fast food, fast casual, full service, family dining, food truck, whatever it might be, what does excellence mean? What does clean mean? Take the time in advance to make those definitions and then share them with your team. Such great advice. Thank you. You're absolutely welcome. All right. The last question I have for you is if there was one (laughs) question I could have asked you, Rudy, what would it be? What's the one thing that's made us successful in our career and with all of our clients? What is the one thing that has made you successful in your career and with your clients? That we start all of the work with what is the purpose of the business. Mm, awesome. So stuff. I, especially in the United States, really anywhere, I making money is a given. Mm-hmm. I've got to be profitable. Profit is the engine. Mm-hmm. But purpose is the driver. So with the food I serve, with the beverage I serve, in the way I serve it, how are my guests different? Mm. Define that and then inspire my team with that as work motivation instead of just being a job. Awesome stuff. I can't help but think now about... Uh, Simon said to start with why, and I think that would be a great place for you to start to learn more about just discovering your purpose and how important that is. Absolutely. Great stuff. Thank you so much. Those are all the questions I have for you. We wrap up every episode by having my guests call somebody out. So, Rudy, who is one indie restaurant professional you admire and think would just make a great guest mentor on the show like you have for us today? Mr. Jim Rowe at Consolidated Restaurants in Seattle, Washington. Jim Rowe from Consolidated Restaurants in Seattle, Washington. Look out, man. I'm coming after you. would love to get you on the show as a guest mentor. Uh, if Rudy's recommending you, <laughs> you've got to be good. And uh, let the folks at home know, Rudy, how can they connect if they're interested in your services or just to pick up the conversation? Uh, how can we find you on Twitter, Facebook, wherever you are? Fabulous. Uh, and I would be honored uh, to have anybody be in touch, be happy to send out reading lists or offer any suggestions. My cell is 720-641-7565. My email is my name, Rudy at Mick, M-I-I-C-K dot com. Feel free to reach out and uh, say howdy. Twitter is Rudy Mick. Facebook is Rudy Mick. All the best. Wow, you are the first person to give out your cell phone, so let's see who actually takes advantage of that. Thank you. Uh, but it just goes to show, I think the most successful people, and you are super successful, are just willing to go that extra you know, inch uh, just to provide that service and to be there for people. So, 
Absolutely, Eric. Awesome. It's been a real pleasure to be on your show, man. All the best. Continued success to you and your energy. It's been an honor. Thank you so much. There's no questioning. You are unstoppable. Ow! <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> wow, talk about actionable advice. Rudy Mick just knocking this one out of the park. If you want to check out everything we discussed in this episode, head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash Rudy Mick. That's Mick with two I's, M-I-I-C-K, or head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash session 181. You'll find links to the books you recommended, a summary of everything we discussed, everything right there in the show notes. Awesome stuff. Thank you so much, Rudy. And one thing I just need to really drive home, uh, and I think Rudy did a great job of it already, but we can't be too safe. Clearly writing out what excellence looks like. So often we get so angry when, you know, the job isn't being done right. It's always somebody else's fault or you're not paying attention or why aren't you doing this right? Take a minute, stop, reflect, and ask yourself, did I clearly explain to you what this job should look like when it's done excellently? When it's done excellently, that's hard to say. Try it. Anyway, am I doing that? And if you're not, then take some accountability, uh, write out what the picture, what a a perfect picture is, and I bet, like Rudy says, uh, things will change for you, and uh, that's where it all starts, is just defining excellence. Uh, And also, I have to talk about, again, uh, how awesome it is, how, how intentional Rudy is in his life, and how on purpose he is. I mean... Are you living intentionally? I mean, do you know your why? Do you know your purpose? And is every action of your life feeding into that purpose, into the reason why you're here, put on this earth? If you're not, like, just super focused, uh, then you need to get focused. And I think we all can be better. Me, for one, I can be better. We all can be better. But I think Rudy is just uh, a shining example of living intentionally and surrounding every action uh, you know, making every action of his life a uh, feed to that overall uh, governing purpose. So great stuff there. Uh, if you want to support the show, if you found this show, you know, valuable, then please do give me a five star review on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. That's really how uh, it really weighs the rankings and it will help the show get discovered. And also, uh, you can just use my links. I have some affiliates, meaning that if you click on the links from my website and you go someplace to purchase something one of our guest mentors recommended, I will get a commission at no extra expense to you. And that's how we make sure this show remains free to the listener, to you. So support the show simply by using my links. They're not my recommendations. They're the recommendations of those proven successful in the industry. And lastly... You can uh, go over to restaurantstoppable.com slash support and just leave a small donation if you so wish. Um, Lord knows I will be grateful for it. Uh, That's all. I'll stop begging. (laughs) Uh, But it's due diligence. I have to mention these things. All right, guys. Don't be afraid to connect. Lastly, that's the, the very last way you can support the show is simply just by connecting and sharing this content with others. Let me know who you want to hear from on the show. Maybe you have a suggestion. I'm always listening. I'm always looking out to make this resource uh, a tool to serve you. So interact with me and I will go out there and find the people to talk about what you want to learn about. It's that easy. So shoot me an email, Eric with a C at restaurantunstoppable.com. All right. 
That's it. I'm going on too long. It's time to wrap this up. Rosie is getting restless. You can hear her in the background. Okay, I'll bring you out now, Rose. We can go throw the ball. Okay, I know. Thank you so much, all of you unstoppable restaurant professionals. Until next time, peace out.